0: Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, amen, what a great day, amen? Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'm sure that you do, would you please take them out, please, and go to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, chapter six, is where uh, we are going to be this morning, as today we are continuing our series called Ecclesiastes uh, Life Under the Sun. And this morning, I want to ask the question can bad be better? Can bad really be better for us? When you read the Bible, and when you and I do that, and we read it from Genesis to a Revelation, um, no matter where you are in your faith, or maybe you're new to the faith, or maybe you're just still trying to figure out uh, this whole idea of Jesus and this whole idea of what the church is all about, Whoever you are, wherever you are on uh, the spiritual uh, maturity line or level, whenever you read the Bible, Genesis through Revelation, I think it's pretty apparent that for those who wrote the Bible, and we know that those who wrote the Bible were under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Um, This is called the doctrine of inerrancy, meaning the Bible is inerrant, meaning that God's Word is without error so that whenever God's word speaks, it, it, is, it is telling the truth. And so whenever we read the scripture from Genesis to Revelation, um, it becomes apparent that the Bible who brought us the Bible, um, who, who wrote it, whose stories are in the Bible, um, these men and women, they were very familiar with adversity. Would you agree to that statement? They were familiar with Adversity. When you read the scripture, you see this bad things happen. Bad things happen to men and women of faith. Let me give you a couple examples, and you may know these. You can think of Moses who tried to convince Pharaoh to let his people go. And uh, that was a struggle. There was some adversity there. Finally, Pharaoh said, you can go. And Moses then leads the the Israelite people onto the promised land. And it's a 40-year journey where Moses leads these people who do nothing but complain. I would call that adversity, wouldn't you? It was adversity. Joseph, you know his story, sold into slavery by his brothers. How about that for family love? Sold into slavery by his brothers, he's then he's falsely accused of cheating on Pharaoh's wife, he's then falsely imprisoned, that's adversity. We think of the man named Job, who on, on one day lost his, his, uh, his children, his livestock, and his home, and, and, and one day I'll ask God this question, why did you leave his wife with him? I don't understand that. <laughs> but I would call that adversity, wouldn't you? That was a tough thing for Job. You look at at Esther. We looked at the book of Esther not too long ago, but Esther, a Jewish uh, lady who was living in a time when, when they were trying to exterminate all Jews. And you had that great saying about Esther for such a time as this. What was that time? It was adversity. It was adversity. You think of of Hannah, the mother of Samuel. I don't know if you remember her story or not, but before she was able to give birth to to Samuel, she was barren. She was unable to have children, and she prayed to God, and, and she would go to the temple, and she would pray, and the priest came up to her and said, you need to get out of the temple because you are drunk. How about that if a pastor showed up to you and said, get out of here. You're nothing but a drunk I would call that adversity, wouldn't you? There was some adversity there. And then how can we not forget Jesus, the one we serve, the one we follow? The, like the six who stood before you this morning who are baptized now say, I follow this man named Jesus. What about Jesus? the Perfect man. This perfect man who ever lived, no sin, but yet he was put to death on a cross. And he lived a life of adversity. Jesus' brother, James, in the book of James, he, he wrote this, that we need to persevere through our trials. So when you and I read Scripture, Genesis all the way through Revelation, Old Testament and the New Testament, we see men and women of the faith who go through difficulties, who go through some very hard times. But here is one thing that blows my mind about those men and women of faith that we read about. In the Bible, these men and women who go through adverse times, who go through difficult times, they maintain their faith. They stay true to the one true God. They never quit believing in the Almighty. When bad things came their way, they did not throw up their hands and say, I quit. God, you don't exist because there are some bad things going on in this world. They don't quit. They don't drop everything and say, no, I'm done with following you, God. This is just, I can't believe you'd allow this stuff to happen. You don't see that in these men and women of faith. Now, did they struggle with that? Absolutely they struggled with it, but they maintained their faith. Uh, turn over with me to Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, this is one of, uh, one of my favorite chapters in all of scripture. Hebrews chapter 11, it's known as, uh, I call it the hall of faith. And you read of all of these men and women who went through some difficult times, and by faith they were approved. Look at verse number 36, Hebrews 11. It's on the screen behind me, but just listen to what these men and women of faith went through, but they stayed the course. Verse number 36, it says others experienced mockings and scourgings and and chains and imprisonment. Verse 37, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, afflicted, and ill-treated. And then I love verse 38, which says this, men of whom the world was not worthy. They went through some difficult times, wandering in the desert, mountains, and caves, and holes in the ground. In verse 39, and all these All these represents all these men and women who went through adverse situations, difficult things, and they did not leave the faith. It says this, and they gained approval through their faith. Scripture tells us that these men and women of faith, even though they had adversity, even though they had difficult things, we see this time and time again that they maintained their faith. I mean, you know this, over the past year, COVID has been... It's been rather interesting, hasn't it? It's been interesting. I know several of you have shared with me over the past week. You've said something along these lines. You know, Pastor, I've been outside of church for over a year. And today's my first day back. There's been some changes, hasn't there? You all know somebody who has has come down with COVID, or maybe has, has died from COVID. It has been tough. It has been misunderstood, and now things aren't the way they were before. We've had to change and do things differently, and and we see all in our uh, society today, from uh, from politicians, from local to, uh, to state to national, that uh, we've had this big, huge debate. Do you shut down? Do you reopen? Do you wear masks? Do you not wear masks? And we sit there and argue over what's good, what's right, and what's best, and if you don't agree with somebody, then we're going to take it to you. Are you with me? We're living in that time. And there's adversity. There's adversity. There's some difficulties. Well, in our text this morning, in Ecclesiastes 6, Solomon echoes the, the words of the Hebrew author when, when they say this, Hard times are not always the worst thing. I want to say that again. Hard times are not always the worst thing. Now, that's a little foreign to our mortal mind. But in our text this morning, Solomon is going to give us reasons why we need to understand that the hard times, they're not always the worst thing that can happen to you. In other words, bad can actually be better. And I think as I mentioned that, several of you have already thinking of something that's gone on in your life where it was a bad thing, but God turned it into good. Amen? So in our text this morning, in Ecclesiastes chapter 6, we're going to begin in verse number 10. We're going to read through or study through chapter 7, verse 14. Uh, We come to the middle portion of the book of Ecclesiastes. As a matter of fact, this is a a turning point in the book of Ecclesiastes. The first six chapters, 1 through 6, Solomon details the life under the sun. And it's a lot like Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones. You can't get any satisfaction. Amen? That's what he says. You can't do it. And much of the focus in chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, it's been on man's focus. What does man see in life? What does man think about a life? What is this mortal person? What do I think about life? I don't need God. What do I think about it? Well, finally here in chapter 6, verse 10, there is a transition. Finally. Finally, Solomon turns the page, and he's going to turn away from from life under the sun, and he's going to give us a picture of what life above the sun really looks like, or or with the sun, S-O-N. And so verses 10, 11, and 12, it is a transition statement, and he's going to tell us why bad can be better. Follow along with me this morning. Is everybody with me this morning? Everybody good? Okay, three of you. Fantastic. Here we go. Verse number 10. Let's go work our way through this text. Verse number 10, Solomon says this, whatever exists has already been named. So Solomon is saying he's bringing to our mind and to the hearer's mind, remembering that God created everything Genesis 1, Genesis 2, God created everything, he gave them names, and then he gave Adam uh, the responsibility to name every living creature. So whatever exists, it's already been named. And it is known what man is. Now Solomon brings out a really good point that we need to understand because today one of uh, the biggest topics of discussion is what, it, what does it mean to be human? Human. Are you with me? What does it mean to be male or female? Is that not a big discussion today? Absolutely. Solomon writes about this 3,000 years ago, and he says, and it is known what man is. So what is man? What is mankind? What is humanity? Well, the Bible teaches us that mankind, that's male and female, male and female, mankind is the special creation of God. We are made in the image of God. Humans are made in the image of God. Nothing else is made in the image of God. Dogs, whom we all love, they are not made in the image of God. Cats are made in the image of the devil. We just know this. They're not made in the image of God. There's only one creation, and you need to hear this, and young students, you need to hear this, and you need to hold on to this, because this isn't what the world teaches you. The Bible, the truth, it's inerrant, it is without error. The Bible teaches us that God created humans, male and female, and we are his prize creation. creation. We humanity, we are, we are his his crowning work of creation. And if you want to be literal, it's actually women are the greatest creation. Because after women, he stopped creating. Because women know how to do everything. There's lots of amens on that one right there. <laughs> but we as humans, what It is known what man is. We are the crowning work of his creation and the gift of gender. And the gift of gender is the part of the goodness of God. It is the goodness of God that before the foundations of the world, God knew you and he formed you in your mother's womb and he chose you to be a male or he chose you to be a female. When God created you, he created you that way because it was good. You are good. Male, you are good. Female, you are good. Scripture teaches us that God created gender out of the goodness of God so that we would understand the role or the roles that the male would play, that the female would play, and that they would complement one another. Males cannot complement each other. Females cannot complement each other. Male, females, they complement one another. Now, we all know that this is a crazy and difficult topic today. Amen? Does this mean that we need to disregard those who struggle with this issue? By no means. By no means. By no means do we put them down. But we love them. We show them the love of God. And as Jesus came speaking in grace and truth, so do we. And we remind them of the truth. Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy that which is of God. So doesn't it make sense that Satan would want to throw in this lie that there are multiple genders? Doesn't that make sense? I believe it's a truth battle. I believe the gender issue is a truth battle. If you struggle with this issue, know this, you are loved beyond comprehension. And know this, that you are beautiful in God's size. You're wonderfully and fearfully made, and God chose you to be a gender, male or female, and he chose you before the foundations of the earth, that which you were born. And Solomon says, we know what man is. What's already exist has already been named, and it is known what man is. He knows that we're weak. Solomon knows and God knows that mankind is weak. We are created beings. And if we are created beings, that means that we cannot find purpose or meaning in our life inside of ourselves. Why? We're created. That which is created cannot find meaning within itself. The Creator gives the created the meaning. And so the created, mankind, in order for us to find meaning and purpose, we have to go to someone or something that is outside of ourselves, and it makes only perfect sense to go to the creator to find out what me, the created, is supposed to be. And Solomon knows that mankind is weak. God knows that mankind is weak. Look at verse number 10. For he, mankind, male and female, cannot dispute with him who is stronger than he is. What Solomon is saying is the stronger one is God, and God is the powerful creator. He is the creator of all things. And since he is the creator of all things, God in his infinite wisdom and in his infinite power, Power, he knows what's best for his creation. And sometimes bad is better. Are you with me? Sometimes bad is better because God knows what's best, and as humans, We don't know because we are created. Look at verse number 11. For there are many words which increase futility. What then is the advantage to a man? What Solomon is saying is it does you really no good to argue with God. You're going to lose every single time. You're going to lose. God has already set the time and space in motion. He is sovereign. He has set everything in motion. He is active. He is not passive. He's alive, and He's working in your life. But here's the reality. God Almighty, Jehovah Yahweh, through His Son Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit, He knows what's best for you. He knows what's best. And sometimes bad is better. And Solomon is reminding the hearers, you know what, you just you need to quit, as it says of Paul in the New Testament, quit kicking against the goads. Does that make sense with everybody? Just quit kicking against the hand of God. God loves you. God knows what's best for you. He wants what's best for you and your family, and he will do what it takes to make sure that his best is going to take place in your life. Now, look at verse number 12. Look at verse number 12, because here is the point of Solomon's premise that bad things can be better. Verse 12, For who knows what is good for a man during his lifetime? During the few years of his feudal life, he will spend them like a shadow. For who can tell a man What will be after him under the sun? This is a rhetorical question because the answer to that question literally is, nobody knows but who? God. Nobody knows but God. You don't know what's best for you. How many times have you ever had to make a decision in your life? And you didn't know if it was going to be a good decision or a bad decision. And you wrestled with it and you lost sleep over it. You prayed, God, show me. You asked other people, God, show me. And even when you still make that decision, you still don't know. Isn't that right? You still don't know. Why? Because you're limited in your understanding. Therefore, God is the one who knows and therefore we need to trust him. Well, Solomon sounds a little bit like a pessimist right now, doesn't he? can be kind of depressing right now. Well, if I don't know, I guess I guess I just don't know and how am I ever going to know what how do I know what's going on? Well, praise the Lord that Solomon is not a pessimist. And in chapter 7 through chapter 7 verse 1 through 14, Solomon is going to tell us actually what is better. He gives us seven couplets that, where it says, this is better than. And so let me just walk through this with you because what we're going to learn in, verse, in chapter 7, I want you to write this down. It's on the screen. What we're going to learn in chapter 7 is this. The better life involves some bitter things. But the bitter things can make your life so much better. Sometimes we have to taste the bitterness we have to walk through the loss. We have to walk through the difficulty. We have to go through the bitter to get to the better. And so Solomon now is going to give us three things, and I want you to write these down. Are you all still with me? You say, no, pastor, this sermon is pretty bitter. I understand. Hopefully it will get better, Right? Number one, write this down. A good name is better than having a good time. A good name is better than having a good time. In the time of Solomon, people would put on oil or or these ointments when they would go out for a party. They wanted to, to smell good, and they had put this on for, for happiness or, or pleasure. And it's not very much different today than whenever we go out, we want to smell good, we want to look good. But but most people, even in Solomon's Day and in our day, most people go through life looking to have have a good time all they want to do is have a good time but Solomon says here's what really matters Young people, listen, here's what really matters. Verse 7, excuse me, verse 1 out of chapter 7. A good name is better than a good ointment, and the day of death is better than the day of one's birth. God says that he wants to give you a good name, meaning he wants you, he wants you to be men and women of nobility and of righteousness. Not only does he want to bless us, he wants to change us. Not only does God want our smiles and our laughter, what God wants is he wants all of us. He wants our heart. I loved what Evelyn Staffan said this morning when I asked her, to you who is Jesus, she said, he is my all. Isn't that good? He wants it all he wants everything about you and he wants you to grow up and resemble christ and so how does god how does he change us how does he get us to be conformed into his image the great majority of the time he uses pain and he uses suffering and he uses adversity he uses difficulty many of you may remember the name elizabeth Elliot. anybody remember that name elizabeth Elliot? Elizabeth Elliot married Jim Elliot, who was a missionary, uh, with four other men who went down to Ecuador to reach um, this indigenous group of Indians there in Ecuador. Uh, Jim Elliot, he and his men, they made some uh, promising attempts at first contact with with this group. And so they said, you know what, let's go down, let's land, let's take our plane and land in the jungle near a river and let's go reach these people. Well, if you remember the story, they landed... And these Indians uh, killed all of them. There's a movie out today called The End of the Spear, which tells tells the Jim Elliott story. And so Elizabeth is without a husband. Years later, she remarries. She remarries the former president of the Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. But not long after they got married, guess what he was diagnosed with? Cancer. And he wasted away a very painful and slow death. Listen to what she said. She said, the experiences of my life are not such that I could conclude from them that God is good, gracious, and merciful. To have one husband murdered and another one have his body disintegrated through cancer is not what you would call a proof of the love of God. In fact, there are many times when it looks like just the opposite. But my belief in the love of God is not by conclusion or instinct. It is by faith. To comprehend God's sovereignty working in that love is, we must say it, the last and highest victory of the faith that overcomes the world. In other words, what Elizabeth Elliot said, I don't understand it, I don't get it, how I've lost two men, two godly men who are doing godly things. I don't get it, God, you don't look good, and I don't understand your love. I don't get it, God, but by faith I choose to believe that it's good. And to this day, Elizabeth Elliot, you know, she's died a couple of years ago, but to this day, guess what she still has? A good name. Are you with me? Are you with me this morning? A good name. Then no matter what happens, you're going to keep a good name, and you're going to keep it for the name of Jesus Christ. And sometimes you have to go through death. Sometimes you have to go through difficult things. Look at verses 2 through 4, and I want you to write this down. A sober reflection is better than shallow celebration. Solomon says a good name is better than than a good time. Now he's saying sober reflection is better than shallow celebration. Look at verse number 2, and watch what Solomon says. He says it's better to go to the house of mourning. What that means is it's better to go to the funeral home than to go to a house of feasting. Do you know what that means? It means to a bar. It's better to go to the funeral than it is to go to the bar. Why? Because that is the end of every man, and the living takes it to heart. Verse 3, sorrow is better than laughter, for when a face is sad, a heart may be happy. Verse 4, the mind of the wise is in the house of the morning, while the mind of the fools is the house of pleasure. What is Solomon saying? Solomon is saying this, that you you cannot run away from death. Now, we live in a culture that we want to live as long as we possibly can, don't we? Now, I I would like to live as long as I possibly can, too. But Solomon says, if you want to be wise, you don't run away from those things that are death. You don't run away from those things. You, You look it in the face because this is going to be us one day. I remember a story about a man named Dave. Dave had a non believer, had several Christian friends who were trying to share the gospel with him, but he would never listen. Um, The story goes that Dave was an outdoorsman. He liked to to be outside, loved to go camping. Well, one night as he was camping um, in the woods, a storm, a lightning storm came through. And as he was in his sleeping bag, guess what? He got struck by lightning. Got struck by lightning. And his friends came to him and said, "Listen, Dave, you need to get right with God. You need to get right with Him." They said, "No, no, I'm not going to do it. Forget about it. I don't agree with all these things that you call God. I don't, I don't get it." Well, a couple weeks, a couple weeks later, Dave is out camping again, out in the woods, and uh, you've heard the saying that lightning never strikes twice. Well, not to Dave. Dave again in his sleeping bag gets struck gets struck by lightning, and this time the lightning hits his his sleeping bag and it and it welds his zipper together that he cannot get out. And so his friends had to literally come and cut him out of a sleeping bag. And I said, Dave, you come on, you need to know Jesus. You need to understand God is speaking to you. He said, No, 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 I don't, I don't need this God thing. I don't I don't need it. About a month or two later, um, Dave is at home and his neighbors hear a loud boom that it shakes the house. The neighbor said, man, I thought a, ho- a truck had run into our own house. And so they run outside and they look at Dave's house and smoke is just coming out of Dave's house. He then runs out of the house and smoke is coming from his head where his hair used to be. because comes to find out that Dave had a gas leak in his house. Turned on the light switch and boom, exploded. And they rushed him to the hospital and he had second degree burns all over his body. While he was in that cold shower, finally Dave was yelling out loud, God's trying to tell me something. And his friends were like, you think? What's the point of that true story? The point of the story is this, you got to look death in the face. That's where you find wisdom. That's where you learn what what is good. That's where you learn how to live. And that's where you learn that, that God's greatest good for you is not necessarily enjoyment and to enjoy life. That's not the highest purpose. Listen, the highest purpose in life is that you know God and you know him intimately. And you worship him. And you live a good life. You have a good name. You you practice sober reflection, and and don't give in to the shallow celebration. Well, it's almost 1 o'clock. Can you all stay to 1 today? (laughs) Somebody said, nope, I ain't going to do it. I saw those heads. (laughs) I want you to jump down to verse number 8 with me. Here's the third thing I just want to share with you, and then we're going to be done. Solomon says this, yes, you're going to have difficult times, but he says this, persevering is better than quitting. In adversity, keep a good name. You reflect soberly. And number three, you persevere. You persevere. Look at verse number eight. The end of a matter is better than its beginning. Patience of spirit is better than the haughtiness of spirit. He says, you end well. One of the things that I love about being a pastor is I get to participate in weddings and I get to participate in funerals, in weddings. When I'm doing uh, pre, uh, you know, pre-engagement or engagement counseling, it's always wonderful to see these beautiful couples come together. They sit next to each other on the love seat in my office. They're holding each other's hands and they're saying, "I love you." No, I love you. And I'm like, whatever. And uh, <laughs> it's not going to last. Trust me. It's beautiful to see, to see young people. That, you know what I'm talking about, right? You know, and it's, But it's beautiful to see. But I want to tell you what I find more beautiful. And I think this is the gist of what Solomon is saying and it reminds us today. What I find more beautiful is when I do a funeral for a 90-year-old man. And I see his bride, his wife of 65 years, on the front row. She's weeping, but she has remained faithful to her husband the entire time. And it's beautiful. They've gone through their ups and their downs. I'm, they've had difficulties, but it's such a beautiful sight to see the wife or it can be the husband. And they just, they just stare at, their, at the casket of their loved one. But you know that they've been faithful. It's a beautiful sight. It's a beautiful sight to behold and this is what Solomon is saying, don't quit, persevere. You finish what you've started with Jesus Christ. There are a um, couple things in my life that I regret and both of them involve quitting. Um, When I was young, I quit taking piano lessons. I quit taking piano lessons because, and this is honest, because I've thought about this for a long time throughout my life. I quit because I couldn't handle the rebuke of my piano teacher. Are you with me? I got mad at her because I did not know the note, and she wouldn't tell me what the note was. And I left Because I didn't like her yelling at me and getting on to me, so I got offended, and I quit. And I regret that. Second thing that I regret is, as a junior in high school, I quit baseball simply because I couldn't hit a curveball. I'm 45 years old now. And I look back at myself and I go, Chris, you are so stupid to think that hitting a curveball or not hitting a curveball really mattered that much. And because I was afraid of failure, I quit. And I did not persevere. And I believe the point of what Solomon is telling us is this you're going to go through some hard times. People are going to rebuke you. Amen? And people are going to say things to you and they may offend you. And you may not be able to do things in life and you may be afraid of failing in life in certain things, but Solomon says, Don't you quit. When adversity comes, don't you quit. When cancer comes, don't quit. When you lose a loved one, a son, a daughter, a husband, wife, you lose them, you don't quit. You keep on the straight and narrow. You stay the path. You keep on. You keep going in the direction of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the end is better than the beginning. The writer of Hebrews says that God has promised something better for us, better than here, better than you can ever imagine. He says, you remain faithful when Mr. Potato Head becomes Potato Head. (laughs) That's so dumb. (laughs) You stay faithful, Mr. Coffee. They're coming after you. (laughs) Don't give up hope, church. Don't give up hope. Young people, listen. Don't give up hope on Jesus Christ. Don't give up hope. Don't stop. You keep holding to the inerrant word of God you keep pressing on because it is better. It's better. It's better. Now you and I know that when we make that stand, adversity's come in our way. Amen. It's coming. But you stand firm in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because in the end, even though it may be bad today, I promise you, it's going to be better. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you, Father God, that through these difficult days, Filled with adversity, I pray that we'll choose to keep our eyes focused on you and we'll look to the hand of God, knowing that you give prosperity, but you also give adversity. And so, Father, if there's somebody here this morning who's struggling, Father, I pray that they would lay it down at the foot of the cross and simply trust you. Because you know what's good, you know what's best. And Father, our heart's desire is that that we have your best. I pray that you would make it come to fruition in your time. And we commit to you, Father, that we are going to be faithful no matter what. That we're going to persevere, that we're not going to quit. We're going to keep on keeping on. Because that's what you've asked us to do. Because that is better. In Jesus' name we pray.